I'll pass, pass you over straight away. Where, do you want, where? Up there, wherever up you want to be. Up there's better. Is this better? Yep. Cool. Right, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for that welcome. Um, yeah, I'm going to be uh, talking a little bit about Psalm 84 today um, in his presence, but uh, should we just pray before we start? Yeah, Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity now to, to, to come and soak in it for a few minutes. Just ask that, Holy Spirit, you would allow it to do its good in our hearts, to shine a light on things that need to be shone on, to bring change where necessary, to encourage us, to build faith, all the things that it can do. We just open our hearts to your word and to you, Holy Spirit, now. I pray you'd help my words to be your words, that you would speak to us now. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, just to say, you, I'm sure lots of you have read the Psalms lots of times before, and you've probably come across this little word, I don't know how to pronounce it, cellar or cellar or something like that. Um, and no one's 100% sure what it means, but the best guess, and this is not just a random guess, it's based on, you know, sensible people, is it's this kind of pause to reflect, to meditate, um, a bit like in a song where, you know, we have a musical moment and the musicians do their thing and we all kind of just hang out in the presence of God. It's a bit like that. So this psalm's got two of those. So it naturally kind of breaks it into three sections and that's how we're going to come at it. Okay, so let's just start by, by reading this together. And as we get to those moments, I'm just going to pause just for a moment just to allow it to sink in and then we'll carry on. So that's how it's going to work. Yeah. Okay, so Psalm 84. How lovely are your dwelling places, Lord of armies. My soul longed and even yearned for the courtyards of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may put her young. Your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house they are ever praising you. Blessed is the person whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the roads to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. See our shield, God, and look at the face of your anointed. For a day in your courtyards is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He withholds no good thing from those who walk with integrity. Lord of armies, blessed is the person who trusts in you. Some great stuff in this psalm. And uh, I, haven't, I haven't got long enough to go into all of it, but uh, we'll see what we can get out of it this morning together. 
Okay, so like I said, we naturally break this psalm into these kind of three bits, yeah? So we start in the first section. So let me just read it to you again, just the first four verses. How lovely are your dwelling places, Lord of armies. My soul longed and even yearned for the courtyards of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may put her young. Your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So you see this kind of repeated language coming through, dwelling places, courtyards of the Lord, your altars, to dwell in your house. This is all imagery of the temple. Yeah, so when this was written, there was probably a temple, most likely. And before that, we know there was the tabernacle, the sort of mobile tent-stroke temple. And before that, there was a garden right back at the beginning, yeah, this garden in Eden. And this image continues through the Bible. From the beginning, the plan has been his presence. That's it, right in the beginning. That was the, that was the plan. And we are built for his presence. Without it, we are lacking. Yeah, we're empty. It is who we are, a people of his presence. And now we are this temple. We are the place where his presence dwells. Individually, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, and corporately, we are being built into a temple of the Lord. I just want to take a slight sidestep for a moment and show you something in my favourite book of the Bible, which is Ephesians. Um, for those of you who've been reading your Bible for a long time, you, lots of bits of Ephesians will be famous and you will recognise them. Um, but something I have learned very recently, which has kind of brought freshness to many parts of the Bible, is to look for the centre of a passage. In our culture, the important bits when we write things tend to be in the beginning and the end. That's how we do it in our English culture, in the Western culture. But in the Jewish mindset, the important bit was the middle. And often we completely miss that. And I used to completely miss that. And I've started to look for it now, and it's really interesting. So the first half of Ephesians, as many of you all know, is the more kind of theology bit, and then the second half is much more practical. And in the first half, it goes like this. There's this kind of like opening bit of praise, then there's a prayer, and then there's this teaching all about wonderful teaching about the gospel and about how the gospel is open to everyone that we've now been brought in together. There's this great unity. And then there's this small little bit teaching about how we've become the temple. And then it goes back into another teaching all about the gospel and how wonderful it is that we're in unity. And then it comes back to this prayer again and then it comes back to praise. So we get this kind of sandwich being built of praise and praise and prayer and prayer and teaching about the gospel and how it's open and teaching about the gospel and how it's open. And then right in the centre, we get this little bit, just three verses, teaching about how we are the temple. And we just kind of, well, I know I used to just kind of gloss over it and think, oh, that's really good. But I didn't get and understand that the writer was trying to make us understand this is where I want you to focus and see. This is it. This is the point of the mountain. Yeah, this is the very centre. So I just want to read you these three verses. It says this, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Sorry, this isn't on the screen. But. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, 
in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So you see, that's the, that's the very centre, this, this brilliant book that we have in the New Testament, right in the middle of this first kind of half, right in the centre is this idea, this is the key idea that we are being built into the temple. We are the temple. We are the place where heaven and earth meet. And Jesus is the centre of it all. He's the cornerstone. It all starts with him. We build around him. This ultimately is the story of the Bible. How man was created to live in the presence of God. But through poor choices, through rebellion, what we call sin, had to leave his presence. And then the Bible is the story of the return. How God had a plan to bring us back to his presence. So we come to the tabernacle where God's presence is with his people. Then the temple where it becomes more permanent. And finally we come to Jesus. Where through him we have now been made into living stones. A temple of his presence. And his presence now lives in each of us. In us individually and in us corporately as we gather like this. And one day we will fully and perfectly dwell in his presence. There will be no sense of separation. But obviously for some there will be, and that's very sad. And that's the choice to follow Jesus is, do you want his presence or not? And God will ultimately honour that decision even into eternity. If you've chosen not, or for those we know who don't make that choice, there will be that. But this is who we're called to be, a people of his presence. It is who we are, who we were always intended to be, and who we will be for eternity. So coming back to Psalm 84, we get some descriptions of this presence. It's described as lovely. We get this idea that our soul longs and yearns for this presence. Our heart and our flesh sing for joy in his presence. This image of the bird who has found safety and security. How blessing then comes from his presence. And finally, where we can't help but praise, as we began this morning when we come into his presence. See, his presence is wonderful. The deep places of who we are recognises that this is ultimately what we need. Our heart and our soul, our very depths, yearns for it. And when we are in his presence, we just cry out for joy. We can't help it. We are home. We are safe. We are secure. We are at peace. And this image of the bird who, who says, this is the place I want to look after my children, It's a safe place, but it's also open to all, even the birds. Everyone is welcome to come. There is no sense of being reserved for special people. This is everyone. This is for all. And then from this place comes blessing. As we dwell in his presence, he's able to bless us. 
When we go our own way, we do our own thing, we go off over here, in, in one sense, God is almost a bit limited in what he can do for us. But when we are in his presence, when we stay in that place, his blessing flows. He wants to give us good things when we come into that place. And finally, obviously, praise. There's this, we can't help but reflect back to him when we're in that place. So moving into the second part of the psalm. Let's read it together. Blessed is the person whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the roads to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. So let me just stop and explain for a second. Again, no one's 100% sure, but the valley of Baca, most likely, is it wasn't a real place. It was a bit like you see in Psalm 23, you get the valley of the shadow of death. It's the same kind of idea. It's this image of a difficult season in life. Yeah. So to go through the valley of, this word Baca has this meaning attached to it of weeping. So it's this idea of passing through, because obviously a valley is that since you kind of go through down the middle of two hills or mountains of that difficult season of weeping. Yeah, so passing through this valley of weeping, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen God of Jacob. This in the in the first verse where it said, "In whose heart are the roads to Zion?" The NIV translation is, "Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage." Yeah, it's this idea of in your heart, you're on this journey to the presence of God, because Zion was where the temple was. That's where the presence of God was. So the theme hasn't changed, but just our perspective of how we view it. Now we come and think about this tension that we find again and again in the Bible of the now and the not yet. One image that I find really helpful when thinking about this is that we stand with two feet in two different ages. One age is the age to come. And we have one foot in that age. But we also have one in this age. So we have this kind of challenge of we stand across two realities and both are real but we have to live with that tension that we live in this world but we also have a reality of heaven right now yeah, eternal life has begun already so here we have the image of not yet arrived we live constantly on pilgrimage in our hearts we carry the road that leads to his presence. And in one sense, we have already arrived. But in another, there is always more. We can always go deeper. We are always on this journey towards his presence. So we are on a journey with God into greater and deeper things. And sometimes this journey takes us to difficult places. But even there, even in the challenge, even in the circumstances where you can go, is God really in this? I can't feel God's blessing in this moment. There, when God is with us, he can transform those situations. And sometimes, by the grace of God, he transforms the situation and actually turns it around. But sometimes what he does is he transforms us. And the situation is exactly what it was before. 
but we are different. And now we view this situation differently because the presence of God has come. We get this image of water because we can turn the valley of weeping into a spring. Water is life. The most dead, barren desert can be transformed when the rain comes. And you see the image here that our situation can be transformed by his presence. Both a spring from below and rain from above, surrounded on every side. I just want to read you these two verses again from the Passion Translation. Uh, I won't go into whether it's good or bad, I'm just going to read it. Um, Even when their paths wind through the dark valley of tears, they dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others find only pain. And he gives to them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an outpouring. They grow stronger and stronger with every step forward and the God of all gods will appear before them in Zion. Yeah, so these are people who have learnt to dig deep to find these springs and then the outpouring of blessing comes as well on top. That's the God that we know, isn't it? Yeah, who meets us in every moment and from every direction. So the journey that leads to a deeper relationship can be windy, it can be painful, it can be frustrating. But if it is the path that leads to him, it will always be one of blessing and ultimately arrive in his presence. So sometimes we have these seasons of arriving when we're in his presence, sometimes seasons of being on the journey. But all of it is in pursuit of one thing, him. Yeah, he is the destination. He is where we're heading. We want to know him more. And then the third part of the psalm, section three. See our shield, God, and look at the face of your anointed. For a day in your courtyards is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He withholds no good thing from those who walk with integrity. Lord of armies, blessed is the person who trusts in you. So we have this kind of famous verse, verse 10, that many of you will recognise. For a day in your courtyards is better than a thousand elsewhere. We get that Matt Redmond song, don't we? Better is one day in your courts. Yeah, lots of you will know that. Um, So we're coming back to this same idea of the presence. How wonderful. Yeah, I just want to spend one day. But now we turn to comparison. We compare it with elsewhere. Yeah? Or we get this thing about, I'd rather just stand at the doorway of your presence than enjoy all the life and goodness in the tents of wickedness. We're comparing God's presence to wickedness. And often, we don't think of it like that. We sort of think, oh yeah, God's presence, or we talk about the world, don't we? And we sort of think, oh, you know, the world's not that bad. It's always got its good points, and you know, it's all right. But actually, the Bible wants us to open our eyes and see, when we compare it to his presence, the world and what it has to offer is like wickedness. We need to open our eyes and see the reality 
There is an expectation that if we are in his presence and living in his presence, we will walk with integrity. Because in his presence, transformation happens. We've already talked about transformation of circumstance can happen or our our outlook and our perspective, but also of us, of our heart, of the way that we live. It brings about transformation. In verse 11, we read that God is a sun and shield, that he gives grace and glory and he withholds no good thing from those who walk in integrity. If your life is not looking more and more like Jesus, you're probably not spending enough time in his presence. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, he's rubbing off on you? Yeah, that comes because you spend time together with someone. When you, you know, you see maybe one of your kids is spending a lot of time with someone who's not the greatest of influence. You think, oh dear, he's really rubbing off on him. Yeah, when you spend time with someone, you start to become like them. And that can be for good or for bad. But when we spend time with God, well, I'm quite happy for that to rub off on me. Because there's nothing bad to take away. God is only good. So the more time we spend in his presence, the more we allow him to rub off on us. So there's this heart change on the inside that comes. But obviously that's going to lead to outward transformation. And the more time we spend with him, we will find ourselves acting differently. Things we used to do, we don't even want to do anymore. But the key word here, I think, is this word integrity. It's not just about doing good things. There is a long-term consistency when you think of the word integrity. People know that you are like this. You don't just do a good thing sometimes. It's who you are. These are the people of his presence, people of integrity. And these people, God knows he can trust with blessing. When transformation has happened, we are ready to represent him to the world. So he knows He doesn't need to withhold any good thing because we can be entrusted with it. We get everything. Wow. Okay, so brief summary. We are a people of his presence in the first part and then the beauty and the wonder of his presence and the blessing that flows from life in his presence. We are now the temple of God. We are the people of his presence. Then in the second part, we're on a journey yeah? We are moving always, eyes fixed on the goal, moving towards his presence. His presence is our destination. It's where we are heading. And even when that, dis- that journey is difficult and frustrating, yeah, he's with us. He brings transformation. And then thirdly, as we compare his presence to the world, there is no comparison. His presence is better than anything and brings transformation that we can be this people of integrity. So what are we going to do with all of this? It's lovely to have all this information. It's wonderful. Yeah, but what are we going to do? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? We're going to spend more time in his presence. Yeah? Sorry, I don't want to teach you to suck eggs, but it's kind of, this is pretty obvious. And that will look different for each of us. And this is where it becomes a bit more challenging because it's like, Well, what does that look like for me? This is where you've got to work this out. This is where you have to put your effort in, okay? This is not my job anymore, this is yours. What does spending time in his presence look like for you? Is it musical worship? 
Do you love just music and does that do something engaging you? Is it time in the word? Is it when you open the Bible, just it comes alive to you? Is it time spent in nature, going for a walk by the beach or in the woods that just something in your spirit comes alive? Is it a personal prayer, just that time when it's just you and God, there's no distractions, there's nothing else, no books, no music, no silence, just you and him. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's corporate prayer and worship when you gather with the people of God that just sets you on fire and lights something in you. Maybe it's when you're serving, yeah? when you're there helping someone in need. Maybe it's a good Christian book. Maybe it's something else. There's so many possible things it could be. But if you are not sure how you best connect with God, then find out quick. There is very little in life more important than knowing how you connect with God. We're all different. God is really creative, and that's wonderful. But it means I can't tell you how you need to connect with God, because God's made you to be you. You need to find out. You need to experiment. You need to give it time. You need to work it out. You might need quiet. You might need noise. You might need solitude. You might need other people around you. You might need intensive study with millions of books open or web pages or, or you might just need one verse to meditate on. We're all different. Yeah? But give it the time that it deserves and find out what's your way. What are you giving your time to? How much time are you giving to Netflix or Facebook or Twitter Or the Xbox for us guys, maybe, or PlayStation. What are you giving your time to? This is a challenge for for me, just as much as it is for you. We live in a culture that has an expectation of relaxation time, my time. Oh, this is me time. But actually, the Bible calls us to see that what we need to give our time to is his presence. Relationships do not build and grow without time. If you want to know God more, you need to give it time. There's no shortcut. And I know it seems simple. Spend time with God. What a great sermon. But it really is actually this simple. It is this simple. This is the core of it. Like we said, this is the story of the Bible. We are a people of his presence. I just want to finish with this. Uh, this is Moses talking to God. And in Exodus 33:16, Moses says, For how then can it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by you going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? This is the thing that marks us out as different. It's him with us. Yeah? Now, there are other things the Bible talks about, and I don't want to diminish those things, but this is it. This is what makes us different. Yeah? Not that you're kind or thoughtful or all these other wonderful things it's good to be as a Christian. It's his presence. It's the power. It's that tangible awareness that God is with you. When people sense that about you, they will see the difference. That's what we're called to. Okay, over the band back up. I've just got a few things I particularly want to kind of minister into in terms of prayer. 
um, but we'll do this through worship. So in, in verse 2, it says, My soul longed and even yearned for the courtyards of the Lord. And as I was preparing this, I got a sense that there were some here who, who felt like this is all well and good, but I don't have that desire that in that deep place. I just, I don't have it, you know. And I just felt, actually, I want to pray. If that's what you feel this morning, that for God to reignite that spark in you, that you can actually say with this psalmist, yeah, my soul, it longs and it yearns for the presence of the Lord. So if you, if, I'd love to pray for you about that this morning, that God would reignite that desire for his presence. Secondly, in verse 6, it says, passing through the valley of weeping, they make it a spring. If you are in the valley of weeping, I'd love to pray that springs will come and that the rain will come and that God will transform your, either your situation or how you see it, that his presence will come and bring transformation in that place. And then finally, he withholds no good thing from those who walk in integrity. If you are struggling with something, it might be the temptation to give too much time to the wrong kind of thing. There might be some sort of sin that you just can't get free of. Actually, in his presence, there can be transformation. And I'd love to just pray that you can be free from that. So can we stand together? Let's just pray and then we're going to move into worship. Father, first of all, I just want to come and ask for any who are in that place where they just say, I don't feel it. I just, I just know I don't have that desire to give time to this. Just ask Holy Spirit you'd come and begin to minister right now. Just reignite that spark, that flame. in the depths in those deep deep places they would feel something beginning to bubble I need this I need this I pray Lord you would cause us to take a first step towards you that you might respond how you always do just reignite that fire. And Lord, for those who find themselves in a difficult season, in the, the valley of weeping, just ask Holy Spirit, you'd come, be the comforter. But Lord, above all, we've asked that you'd come and bring your presence. Bring that transformation that only you can bring. you would open eyes Lord to see the reality of the situation that yes it may be dark but that you are there that your presence brings life thank you Jesus and Lord I pray if there is anyone here who feels trapped and caught in something whether they know they're giving too much time 
to something that's not helpful, or whether they know they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, they just keep returning to it. I just pray right now for a breaking. Just pray, be released in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, your presence come and bring that revelation that there is nothing that compares to this. Everything else would fall away. And for all of us, Holy Spirit, just ask, challenge us again with how we use our time, with the priorities of our life, that we would remember we are called to be a people first and foremost of your presence and that this is what marks us out. Help us, Holy Spirit, in our weakness to be a people of your presence. Amen.